This podcast is sponsored by Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits. Guaranteed to blow your head off. I, I mean, really. I've seen it. One sip and boom. I'm not entirely sure I see the point, but they seem quite popular. Anyway, order Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits now at the introductory price of 14 groats per gallon and get a pint of Goblin Spittle for free. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Morris, aka Russ, or Russ, aka Morris, and with me is my regular co-host, Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it's both marvellous and a pleasure to be here. How the devil are you, Peter? I'm damn fine. Oh, how's your week been, Peter? What have you been up to? Um, I'm trying to think. What have I been up to? Mm, dancing, mostly. Not so much RPG stuff, but a lot of dancing. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I've been getting ready for a Savage Worlds game that I'm going to run. Yes. The Adventure Edition has come out. Uh, I've actually taken the time to look at the PDF, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a sterling work on my part. And um, yeah, I really like the changes they've made. They've Mm -hmm. rationalised character creation. They've actually highlighted the key skills that always needed highlighting, but were never before. I'm like thinking, yeah. This looks like this will be fun. So, be good. Yeah. Good. So next Sunday I'll be running Savage Worlds for a select band of few, a select band, a few, some precious brand of brothers. And all hold themselves accursed and their manhood cheap that they want to hear that St. Crispin's Day. I have no idea what you just said. And neither do I. <laughs> we should probably edit that out. Daryl, leave it in because he likes making the sound. Peter tries to say words and fails. Peter says words. It's a new part of the podcast. <laughs> Well, Peter just says whatever comes into his head. Apparently, it's uh, you know all possibly hashtag Team Peter. Remember to let us know on Discord. <sighs> now, should we do some news? Oh, if we must. All right then. I suppose we should. Did you know that the Acquisitions Inc. book has been announced? <gasps> the Acquisitions Inc. book. Yeah, Acquisitions Incorporated. Yes. Which we've known about for what, a month or two now we definitely mm. mentioned it on the podcast and yes. it's been in all over like the news and all that sort of stuff yes yes but uh, the actual press release dropped into my email inbox ah. this week and I looked at it and I thought hey I know but I think this is the first time it's actually been officially actually announced by Wizards of the Coast Ooh. is what this was oh we must be getting closer to they doing the official announcement hmm. it says D&D announces Acquisitions Incorporated a book providing the flavour of Acquisitions Inc within the Forgotten Realms Ooh. you know what I've noticed about this about Wizards of the Coast recently they what? don't refer to themselves as Wizards of the Coast anymore they oh. call themselves D&D good shout all their um, press releases for example go D&D announces whereas they used to say Wizards of the Coast announces they have probably realised that people are like Wizards of the who? well yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and the, but they know who D&D is but D&D is not a person though well exactly because Wizards of the Coast is a company that for people D&D concept mm-hmm. and cannot announce anything so it's a matter it's a game <laughs> unless it is becoming self-aware and is now announcing itself D&D has become the first ever self-aware role-playing game D&D is the role-playing game equivalent of Skynet, and it is announcing itself. So the podcast is becoming self-aware. The podcast became self-aware long ago. <laughs> I see, I see. Yes. Um, anyway. Self-referential, possibly. <laughs> yes, possibly. Anyway, so so yes, the Acquisitions Incorporated book's been announced. Um, it's a 224-page book coming out June the 18th, 
and it's you know it's obviously a sort of humorous yeah. um, slice of the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, I do enjoy the penny arcade style of art. Mm. It is quite pretty. I enjoy it. So yeah, that we uh, that that should be good at some point to see that. Yes. Um, did you know that someone made a D and D cookbook? A D and D cookbook. Um, I think I've got a Lord of the Rings one kicking around at home. <laughs> it's complete with monster part ingredients. Tricky to acquire. Go on. <laughs> it was produced by by an outfit called Mist Factor Press. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, is a supplement intended to provide uh, handouts for players as they explore the domain of the vampire Strad von Zarovich, or as we like to call it, Ravenloft. Yes. Yes. Um, it po- was possibly another one of those things where people are like Raven who? <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, It was intended as an April Fool's Day gag, but the recipes are kind of legitimate and you can sort of do them in the real world. Including the monster parts. Uh, Some of the dishes include harpies vocal cords with moss pesto, wolf steak with sacrificial lamb blood sauce, Mm -hmm. intellect devour flambe, and curatoa head on papillote. Papillote? Papillote. I see. Um, it includes a list of ingredients with substitutes in case your local grocery store doesn't have intellect devourers or black pudding on their shelves. Well, they probably have black pudding. But it depends upon where you are, really. <laughs> yeah, depending around here, but up up Yorkshire, I'd expect some black pudding at the butchers. Um, so, what about? Does it give any guidance about whether you want to substitute tofu or perhaps uh, some textured vegetable protein in? in that case much, of your that much I don't monsters? know, but I'm sure it would be easy to do. Okay. Ah. You could replace your uh, harpy's vocal cord with a nice slice. Interesting, interesting. Lovely. Lovely. Uh, perhaps, perhaps there'll be something from the corn or beyond meats. Unless range. harpy's vocal cords are made of corn, how do you know they're not? It's entirely possible that harpies have textured mycoprotein uh, vocal cords. We just don't know. Mm. More research needed. Hey, do you remember a few months ago we talked about how John Wick... Who? John Wick. <laughs> I know who John Wick is. I'm sorry, Russ. I had to say that. Just see your face. <laughs> not Keanu Reeves. Not Keanu Reeves. Oh, okay. Not that John Wick. Oh, give uh, John Wick. John Wick, who created John Wick the, the games designer. Yes, who created the Seventh Sea game uh-huh. um, back in, I think it was like 99 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes. Uh, did the Kickstarter a few <clears throat> years ago. Three years ago. Uh, which broke, yeah. which was the first ever RPG Kickstarter to break a million dollars, and is no. still, I think, the second biggest ever after Matt it, Colville's one. Yeah, it made approximately all the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so last year, yes. he had to announce that he was uh, laying off staff and dramatically slowing down fulfilling the Kickstarter rule. Yeah, well, yes. Uh, didn't he have issues where he was trying to do more Kickstarters? but they could, could not then be fulfilled. There was a board game, I believe, that he oh. tried to do, and um, Ooh, brave. that didn't take off mm. nearly as well as the 7th Sea original. And there was the 7th Sea Kitai yes. Kickstarter, which also yeah. didn't do nearly as well. And I, I suspect that these follow-up Kickstarters were supposed to do as well as the original. Ah, they didn't. I, I, don't, yes. I don't know. I can't got any well, insight into his... Well, or, or at least... Better than they did. Yeah. But anyway, um, the news here yes. is that he has now sold 7th Sea yes. to Chaosium. Oh, interesting. Which is kind of, must be heartbreaking in a way. Yeah. Because he writes this game in 99. Yes. Published, it's popular, mm-hmm. develops yes. a fan base. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, 20 years later, yes. he manages to reacquire the rights to it mm-hmm. off of AEG. 
yes. Rack Entertainment Group. Mm-hmm. And that must have been like amazing for him, reacquiring rights to this game mm. that he created, which has such a fan base. Yes. He must have been super, super happy. And then, off the back of that, he runs a Kickstarter, and it's, at the time, the biggest RPG Kickstarter mm. ever. I mean, we're talking like, he must be over the moon, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then it all starts to go wrong, and now he's had to sell it off to a company like Chaosium. Well, it's in safe hands with Chaosium, Yeah, surely. it must be heartbreaking still, though. Well, yeah, it's sometimes like if you love something, you have to let it go, Russ. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, might, it might be that he's going to go on and do something even bigger and better. Well, he's, uh, he's joined Chaosium. Oh. And he's basically heading up the line. Oh, okay. So, so basically they've hired him and bought the, the rights off of it. I see. So so he's not exactly like given away 7th... Well, not sold off 7th C, never see it again, never to be involved with it. It's more like he's like, hey, Chaosium, would you like to have me and 7th C? Yeah. Like, yes, on well, oh, it, yeah. well, this means now that the Kickstarter backers are going to get all of their rewards. Which is done this before. It's rescued a Kickstarter, and so mm-hmm. it's not the first time they've done that. Yeah. Uh, so it looks like all the all the backers are going to get their rewards now. But that is fantastic. Yeah, quite, quite big news now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, um, good, good stuff. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, renewed interest in Summit Sea. I've never actually seen a game of Summit Sea. Hmm. Never played in it. Sad times, man. Mm, you should you should remedy that. I, I would definitely love to remedy it. But it's just a question of it's it's an eternal GM problem. You you always end up running the games that you want to play, uh, which is something that I'm trying to do stuff about. Fair enough. Yeah. For the page to load up to give us some more news. Mongoose Publishing. Yes. Um, creators of Traveller, if I recall. Not the creators of Traveller. Well, okay. The current license holders of Traveller. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. The creator of Traveller. <laughs> Traveller very much predates to... Mongoose Publishing. Yes. And that's what I know them for, and also a pre a previous and. Dare I say it, I will. Lesser version of Just Red. <laughs> <laughs> they are bringing back the Journal of the Traveller's Aid Society. So this was... Um, is this a zine thing? Uh, so this was back in 1979 through to 85. Okay, right, yeah. It was, uh, it was a series of game supplements for Traveller back then, nice. published in periodical format. Ooh. This is back when Traveller was really big. Yeah. That was like Traveller's... Golden Age, I guess, back yes. then. Um, it got briefly revived in the 90s by Imperium Games, and yes. um, Steve Jackson Games revived Ooh. it from, I think it was like 2000 to 2015, oh. as an e mm-hmm. Or e <laughs> mm. um, So this journal um, is being revived yet again, this time by Mongoose Publishing, who are the current mm. publishers of Traveller. Yes. And um, they're gathering material from the original run, mm. as well as other fan-based publications from the era... Mm-hmm. and updating it for use with their current edition of the game. Nice, nice. Um, so the initial run is going to be 328-page books, Whoa. published in a sort of digest-sized format, ah, with yes. additional books released every two to four weeks. That's quite aggressive, isn't it? Uh, uh, a challenging, challenging yeah. schedule. Yeah. Um, so there's a Kickstarter campaign, mm-hmm. uh, which is doing fairly well at the moment. Um, it's over 70 grand now, with nice. over 700 backers. Yep. And the, the, the goal of it was um, under 20 grand, so... Okay, so it's about $10 per backer, so... Yeah, no, uh, 700... Uh, $94, $94 per backer. Uh, $94 per backer. Yes. Okay. Not 10. Uh, uh, well, you're, you're right. 70 grand, oh, 700 okay. backers. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's nearly... Yeah, well, okay. I thought... You were out by a factor of 10. I was. Yeah. Well, so um, Wizard of the Coast... Listen to our podcast. Wizards listen of the Coast, to, listen to our podcast. Listen to our sketch oh, yeah, and decided a... that that was a blueprint rather than a parody. And <laughs> <laughs> because um, they have announced an announcement. Yes. 
Uh, and the announcement, announcement is going to be made at 1am on a Saturday morning. I see, I see. In a live stream. Are we going to have to go back and refile that from sketch to a news item? <laughs> Possibly some sort of meta-analysis of the industry. Uh, yeah. So just to clarify, Wizards of the Coast definitely have not listened to our podcast, but... Well, I oh, they might have. Seems they might. Although seems Rodney doesn't count anymore. Sorry, Rodney. Seems, seems unlikely. Now, but, although Wizards of the Coast or D&D? Has D&D listened well, to our podcast? Yes. Well, Wizards of the Coast might not have listened to our podcast, but, but D&D, D&D might pro- have done. D&D almost certainly has. <laughs> it knows all. capacity. Exactly. It knows all. Sees all. <laughs> It's there, watching now. So they have announced the yeah. reveal of the next D and D adventure hardcover. Yes, this is going to be unveiled uh, at the Descent, an event in what? LA on Friday, the seventeenth of May, at four p.m. Pacific Daylight Time right. or midnight British Summer Time. Yay! I'll be sure to stay up to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's so mean. So if you wanted to go to this live, you'd have to get to LA. Yes. It would then cost you $300 to get in. $300, okay, yeah. And then you get to, with a studio audience, yeah. witness the unveiling of the new D&D storyline on Friday night, or Saturday morning, at 1am. So was, where, It's where, not 1am there, but it's, no, no. it's, it's 1am everywhere else in the world. Yeah, but so Wizards of the Coast, right, are charging people $300 to come to their press release. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's that's certainly that's a marketing time. They, they did that last year and it went really well with that stream, really? of, stream of many eyes thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been there for two or three years now. Goodness. I, I also, have to admire their moxie. You also get to play in a uh, three hour session of mm. a D&D Adventurers League epic, previewing mm. the elements to the new storyline. The epics are quite fun. You get a D&D swag bag, including mm. merchandise from D&D Partners, ah. and an advanced copy of Ghosts of Saltmarsh. Ooh. You get to mingle, ah, mingle with D and D partners. Oh, I do love good mingle and other characters in the story themed marketplace area, and participate ah. in the cosplay storyline interspersed throughout the event. Ah, cosplay storyline. And finally, you get to attend a live music performance celebrating D and D from artists assembled by Chris Funk on Sunday night. To close out D and D Live 2019, an appropriately named person so, to do such a auspicious musical. So speculation as to what the storyline is. So it's called the well, the event that yes. is going to announce the storyline, yes. which they've just announced. Yes. The event they've just announced, not the storyline. No, no, it's very not confusing. the actual storyline. Yeah. I do feel like that we are so, reenacting our own sketch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I say, definitely needs to be. So made. I am pleased yeah. to announce that Wizards of the Coast has announced that the reveal yeah. of the new D and D storyline will be announced in a no. <laughs> Focus, Matt. Focus. So this this event is called the Descent. Yes. And it is the event at which yes the D and D storyline will be announced, and they've just announced that event. Yes, yes, we we understand that. Russ. Okay, right. I just Thank wanted you. to clarify. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, so there's a piece of art that goes with it. It is quite this a nice is, this, is, this is the only clue we've really got so far. Well, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing... I'm going to go out and say some sort of celestial angel. She's wearing a blindfold, which indicates some sort she's, she's of She's quite glowy. Things. Yeah, definite sort of angel thing going on. Looks like she's got wings. Oh, there's clearly wings going on. Yeah. Wings, armour, blindfolded, some sort of angel, potentially of justice. Uh, and there's like all sorts of like uh, clawed hands. Beneath. Reaching out to her. Yeah, so it looks like some sort of like I don't know celestials versus abyssals uh, death match. Yeah, it makes me think of a paladin in hell. Yeah, that old priest bar, and it was mm. a, there was a adventure, I believe, wasn't it? Mm. Um, written by was it Monty Cook? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was Monty Cook about it. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah okay. So do you think they might be revamping some of that stuff? Or? Maybe. I, I, you know, I, I'm basing it literally off a piece of art, just like you are. Well, 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 well to, to be fair, we're, we're going to give them some airtime and speculate upon their yeah. announcement of the announcement of the pre-announcement. Yeah, so that's on May, from May 17th to 19th in Los Angeles. Yes. Why? Well, it's only $300 for a ticket, it sounds completely worthwhile. And a plane ticket. And, and a hotel plane. somewhere. You might not take a plane, you might live in LA. I'm sure all our listeners in LA will be sure to write in and tell us what it was like. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, you can you can watch the announcement live streamed at the same time. At Paizo, oh, yeah. um, they've launched a new actual play live stream on their Twitch channel. Oh, yeah? It's called The Oblivion Oath. Mm-hmm. And um, it's using the final Pathfinder 2nd Edition rules. Mm. And it's being run by Jason Borman, the designer, the lead designer. Nice. Uh, with um, with various various players, including Gabriel um, Wadakonis as the lizard folk rogue Zell. Okay. Katina Davis as the gnome wizard uh, Mika, Micah. Okay. Sarah Marie as the dwarf champion Karina. Mm-hmm. And Owen Casey Stevens as the goblin sorcerer Quandle. What was that last name? Quandle. Sorry, I just had to make you say that again. Quandle. <laughs> is, is that wrong? No, I, oh, no it's, it just sounds really funny to me. Q Q U N D L E Quandle. Quandle. I can't think of another way to pronounce that. <laughs> anyway, okay. So hopefully, uh, the designer will hopefully know how to run it, which is always a good thing. Um, and let's see, so that's what the third third podcast that Paizo have sponsored. You've got, what, Glass Cannon, which I know you're generally quite Well, this is, this is a Twitch stream. Oh, Twitch stream? Yeah. Oh, what's the difference? An actual play, like, well, Twitch stream is where they do yeah. a live thing and you watch them play. Oh, I see. Whereas a podcast is a thing that you download. And ah, so they can, you can watch them live as they twitch away and hmm. play. Ah, thrill has someone looks at the rules. <laughs> Gasp as someone rolls their dice well, onto assume, the floor. I assume that's not going to happen. Um, most, thought, uh, most of those actual play Twitch streams really are. They, uh, I mean, they, they really do focus. They make them like we are oh, sitting absolutely. here and we are playing for the next three hours. No nice. distractions. Whoa. They're very good at it. Get in. Way better than your average table, you know, when your friend's house. Uh, that's fair. With all uh, the chit chat and people wandering off and all uh, the. I, I, I do sort of quite like Adventures League for that sort of reason. Mm. It's because you've got that time limit. Yeah. And you know what? You do play solidly yeah. for that time. And it is quite nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, there are problems and so forth. But yeah. And there's going to be a Paranoia video game. What? As in the Paranoia? Yes. The Paranoia. The tabletop RPG Paranoia is going yes. to be a video game. So you're saying I could be commie mutant scum and will have no need of a GM to run it? I guess so, yes. I guess that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm listening. Um, so I don't, I don't know an awful lot about it. It's going to be oh. available later this year. Yes. And um, there's no specific date and price sort of authorised for our clearance levels yet. Well, um, of course. Um, we do know it's going to be on Xbox One, PlayStation 4 and PC. And it's coming from Black Shamrock and Cyanide Studios. Ooh. That does sound, that does sound fun. It does sound fun. Yes. Uh, what else do we have in that new... Um, D&D, new D&D board game, uh, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. That is quite a box it's got there. Yeah. Um, so there's an expansion um, to the Adventure System board game line. Oh, yeah. So they've made various board game lines. Yeah. Um, so it's cross-compatible with the other games in the line. Nice. Um, and there's, there's two sets available. There's a standard, mm-hmm. which is $79.99. Okay. And it has unpainted miniatures. See fair. And there's a premium edition. With oh, yeah, painted okay. miniatures for one hundred and fifty nine ninety nine. So how much are you paying them to paint their miniatures for? 
160 and 80 so 80 dollars worth 80 to paint the miniatures i don't know let me just do a quick check how many miniatures have i painted in the past all five years <laughs> zero how many miniatures have you painted in the past five years zero well there you go but i do i do often buy pre-painted plastic miniatures off ebay for about a pound each well there we go which makes me which makes me feel that 80 dollars but that's like 80 quid so or thereabouts there's a quick uh, Paizo product roundup. Paizo have got. I, yes. I, I, I'm loving Paizo at the moment because I'm currently yes. collecting their flip mats. Yes. Love them. They're my favourite accessory of all time now. It's true. Uh, Russ does love. Say one thing for Morris. Say he loves flip mats. I've got about ten of them now. Woo. And I'm gonna. I, I, I looked them up. There's bloody loads of them. Ah, so many. Dozens of them. Uh, so it's gonna take me quite a long time to get them all. But they're, they're so yes. useful. Yes. Anyway, moving on. So, Pathfinder. Campaign setting, Tyrant's Grasp poster map folio. Interesting. That's like one of my names or something, isn't it? It's quite long. <laughs> <laughs> but descriptive, from it I would deduce that there is so a poster map folio. Yes, it's three beautifully illustrated poster-sized maps Ooh. based on the Tyrant's Grasp adventure graph. Graph? Path. 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 <laughs> you said graph. I don't know why. I don't know. Focus, Russ. The Tyrant's Grasp, grasp Adventure Path. There we what? go. One last time, so if you say it properly. <laughs> the Tyrant's Grasp Adventure Path. Bravo. Well done. Yes. You may continue. <laughs> <laughs> there is also uh, the Pathfinder Player Companion Chronicles of Legends. Ooh. And this is for post-15th level characters. Nice. Um, pack your end-level character with new, more powerful traits that grow in strength as you level, new Ooh. ways to use and abuse your favourite spells, and even some feats that might make you consider giving prestige classes the time of day. Intriguing. The real pay dirt here, it says, mm-hmm. is the magic items that gain power when used as a set, or legendary Ooh. items that gain power as you do, and extra capstone abilities for everyone and for specific classes. Why not? Punch the sun, become a god, it says. Punch the sun. Punch the sun. Punch the sun. That, to be fair, is not in the actual product description. That's just what the person what the person writing the column about it said. And finally, yes. we have Pathfinder role-playing game Occult Adventures Pocket Edition. When I say finally, I don't mean finally because there's one after this. Okay. Penultimately. <laughs> Penultima- penultimately. Yes. Uh, so, um... Uh, Occult Avengers obviously came out a while back as a hardcover. This yes. is one of their pocket edition sort of digest size versions of it, Ooh, which nice. are quite popular. I quite like them. Yes. So they do one of those, and there's the Will- Ultimate Wilderness pocket edition as well. Oh, okay. it's, it's, well. it's coming out very soon. So they're still producing first edition stuff, yeah, despite yeah. the fact that um, second edition is you know imminent. Yes. I mean, obviously they're going to stop at some point, but it's going to be well, interesting to see when. Well, there's surely a lot of back compatibility, I would have thought. Like a between Pathfinder 1 and Pathfinder 2. I don't know how compatible the rules are. Mm. A lot of the accessories, definitely. Yes. Although I did notice that they had rebranded their um, initiative tracker. Oh, yeah. So yeah. now you've got to get the Pathfinder 2 initiative tracker rather than the Pathfinder... <laughs> you can't, you can't <laughs> play Pathfinder 2 with a Pathfinder 1 initiative tracker, Russ. That simply won't work. <laughs> it's exactly the same. <laughs> no, no, they're completely different. Look, this one says Pathfinder 1st edition. This one says Pathfinder 2nd edition. They're very different products. Yes. Now, shut up and buy it. Why is there a Dungeons & Dragons cartoon? Um, on the thing there isn't it isn't oh okay no. so I'm sad oh, we, we, can, we can mention this. so Matt Corley 
Oh, he's okay. a freelance RPG writer. Um, yes. He's written for Kobold Press and Peterson Games. Sweet. He tweeted this image, and as you can see, this image is an image of the D&D cartoon. Of which I have fond memories. Yes. Um, with a caption, pre-hype, hype mm. for an amazing project coming to Kickstarter this summer. Right. So, of course, someone immediately asked, is this a reboot of the D&D cartoon? given the fact that he'd posted a picture of the D&D cartoon. That would be the question that would spring to mind. To which he emphatically replied, Yes? It's not. Oh, so he said no. <laughs> he says, The amazing folks at Critical Role have D&D cartoons run in hand, which it seems like they do. So... But didn't they not make approximately all the money for their recent Kickstarter? They still are making it. It's not over yet. Oh. Two weeks to go. Oh, oh well, well, actually, can we have a quick progress report on the Kickstarter of the Critical well, Role? Let's do that after I finish this one. Though. Okay, go on then. Buy if we must. So here you on target. Uh, finish one item before <laughs> moving on to the other. I don't care for um, your high-bound traditionalism. So we don't know what it is. Yes. We know it's coming to Kickstarter this summer. Okay. He, um, he did mention back in February that his youngest had been diagnosed with cancer. Oh, poor chap. And uh, he produced a T-shirt for charity. And What's also it? he's posted some more Im- um, images. Yes. Um, like friends of kids with cancer and stuff like that. So I am thinking it might be a charity-related product ah, of some kind. Okay. But, you know, he's, he's doing a sort of pre-hype hype at the moment, not yes. spilling the beans. Yes. So I guess we'll find out sometime soon. Okay. Oh, hey, you know, it. You know um, New York? Not well, I'll be honest. You know of New York? I am aware of New York. You know in New York they have some things called newspapers. Newspapers? Yeah. I've never, I haven't seen a newspaper in years. But I, apparently I they, still use, they still use them in New York, apparently. I haven't heard that name in a very long time. <laughs> I know, the New York Times. Yes. Which is one of those newspapers. Interesting. I think they... Oh, I see. So they, it's basically like they have a print house of the website. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You can buy yourself a printout of the New York Times website. Oh, that's, that sounds inefficient, <laughs> but please continue. Um, has an article. Yes. Entitled. Yes. Why the cool kids are playing Dungeons and Dragons. Aye. What a time to be alive. So it's by a science journalist and novelist called Annalie Newitz. Okay. And it's a long article talking about how or why um, why people and why D&D is getting more popular these days. And why uh, she in particular is playing it. And um, she's talking about the, the social element of it rather than the game itself. Yes. Um, basically, she's um, and comparing it to sort of playing video games online with people or using yeah. Facebook yeah. and how it's more personal, all that sort of thing. Yeah, just uh, be, 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 being in person with people is more sociable yeah. than um, having abuse shouted at you by a um, overstimulated twelve-year-old online mm. than writing things on Facebook in the vaguest possible fashion. Or indeed, then board games. Yeah. At least with the people I see playing, because with board games, it's like people just sit around the table and they're always looking at the table and they never talk to you. Whereas role playing, the point is to talk to each other. Well, she says the um, basically the premise yes. of the thing is basically you can have ten thousand followers on Twitter. Yes. But more valuable than that is five people who you know you're going to see every week to play a game socially, and that's that's a more valuable thing to have than the ten thousand followers on Twitter. Um, but. Certainly a lot nicer. I, I don't know. I've never had 10,000 followers on Twitter, but I've certainly had five people want to come around and play uh, games with me. Well, there you go. Places. So there you go. They love you. Yay. Somebody loves you. It had to happen sometime. <laughs> the fools. <laughs> now I'll crush them. Uh, what else? There's an unboxing of the Starfinder beginner box. Oh, yes. Which Pezo have, um, Pezo have pressed. I'm definitely going to buy this beginner box because I really like those beginner boxes. 
Yes. It's, it's not even just for the game themselves necessarily, but for the stuff that comes with it. The sort of high, higher production values than, say, the D&D one. Okay. Um, you know, they come with maps and pawns and stands Ooh. and, you know, a whole load of stuff. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I am definitely going to pick... I'm talking of beginner boxes. Yes. The Stranger Things beginner box. <sighs> people in America... Yes. ...have been receiving their Amazon orders, despite the fact that it was supposed to come out May the 1st. Bah. <laughs> so it's released early and it's appeared on Amazon Co. UK finally as well Ooh. so I've pre-ordered it yeah get in so May the 1st hopefully we'll have a copy of it <gasps> we could do an unboxing quite, yeah uh, yes yeah, a podcast unboxing yes amazing stuff you can tell me about all the cool stuff that's in it I'll be like ooh shiny yes yes yeah. well you know when it arrives we'll do that but yes. you know if you're in America if you're in America you can have it already because Americans are special and better than us in every possible way that's true <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to do our favourite game in all the world? Let's do our favourite game in all the world ever. The one where you read out the title of a Kickstarter, and then based on that information alone, I have to guess what it's about. What? You mean our favourite game in all the world, where I read out the name of a Kickstarter, and you have to guess what it is based on just the name? Yes, that's the one. Yes. It's almost like that's exactly what you just said. Well, it was similar, but <laughs> I think I said it better. I think I said it better. To listeners, who said it better? Hashtag Team Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a hashtag going, I have to roll with it. I'm, I'm very basic that way. Yeah, you know hashtags don't work by saying them. Oh, well, that's what Russ thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to pop along to the Discord and let him know what you think. That's important. All right, our favourite game in all the world. Let's begin. Very well. Onwards. Number one. Ultimate Spheres of Power. Ooh, that's intriguing. Mm, ultimate spheres of power. I am hoping for magic, magic items, like sort of big, powerful magic items. Um, spherical. <laughs> spherical ones, perhaps. But not necessarily confined to. Um, ultimate spheres of power. Mm, would you like to beep a little more loud? Yeah, I'm not sure the listeners can hear it quite so well. Um, <laughs> let's see. Ultimate spheres of power. Uh, spheres could also be a reference to sort of realms, as in music of the spheres. But yeah, uh, I think it is a list of... It's a book of high-powered magic items. Um, I think probably for Fifth Ed. How am I doing? Hmm. Not very well. Yay! So this is for Pathfinder. Ah. And it's a magic system. Okay. The original Spheres of Power was a yep. magic system released in 2014. Okay. And it's kind of a flexible, easy-to-use, talent-based magic system to sort of replace the Valencian magic system oh, right, right. games traditionally have. Yeah, yeah. Um, so less spell slots, more uh, versatile, as it were. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then um, there's been, since then, over 20 handbooks of new content. Mm-hmm. Um, things like Items of Power, the Telekinetics Handbook, the Geomancer's Handbook, the Conjurer's Handbook, mm. the Shapeshifter's Handbook, you know, loads of, loads of them, 20-odd of them. Um, so this this is the ultimate Spheres of Power, which combines content from all these handbooks with the original rules, okay. the original source book, to make a brand new and very, very, very comprehensive and extremely flexible mm-hmm. magic system that you can plug into your Pathfinder game. Mm. You look very exciting. Oh, um... <laughs> Uh, I'm just pondering um, how it would work. That, that's uh, that's the question that I have to ask. I mean, um, yeah, it sounds, sounds interesting. I don't know how it compares to Elements of Magic. Mm-hmm. Years ago, 15 years ago, I can't remember when, anyway, which was mm-hmm. about um, those verb-noun magics. Yes, yes. Originally inspired, of course, by Ars Magic. Oh. 
Let's okay. do. Maybe we go. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Yes. An inner darkness. Uh, something to do with Call of Cthulhu. Probably a setting book. I'm not working with a lot here. I don't know. What I got? Inner darkness. Um, what can I elaborate from? An inner darkness, and it will be about. I would hope um, investigators dealing with. Um, Bah, 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 bah. Like they have, in the course of doing their adventure, they find that they are becoming more and more corrupt. And the final sort of big face off is dealing with something that's come at them from the inside, maybe. I don't know. That's better. I don't know how you'd implement that. Hmm. But no, I, I, I don't know. In the darkness, I think they call it Cthulhu. I don't know. Okay. Well, you're right. It's Cthulhu. Okay. Uh, so it's um, a collection of between five and seven adventure scenarios. Okay. I don't know if it's five or seven. Between five and seven, so six adventure scenarios, I guess. Is it five um, and seven inclusive? <laughs> I don't know. Set in the 1920s. Okay. It, it seems important to be aware of how many adventures you are selling in your book. I would <laughs> um, say. I guess possibly it's based on stretch goals or something. Nice. But anyway, um, they say it's a, a well-researched, mm-hmm. historically accurate and challenging adventures with a darker, harsher and more brutal tone than our fans might be used to. This will be a more mature book, one focused on adult themes designed to spark deep conversations among your players for years to come. More brutal than Call of Cthulhu players are used to. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, adult themes is always like a bit of a worry for me. Like, what exactly are your adult themes? What do you think they are? Hmm. Um, okay. That's, I, I, I am intrigued. I, I won't lie. Uh, but I probably want to find out a lot more about it. When, when's that Kickstarter finish? Uh, on Sunday, April the 14th. Okay. So this coming Sunday. For those of you listening to well, podcast, that's a bit more information. Out. So these scenarios will be, will of course feature the malignant taint of the Cthulhu mythos, but at the forefront of each yes. will be one or more examples of social injustice, ah. societal corruption, Ooh. and mankind's inhumanity to man. Okay. So it reminded me of Harlem and Bound a little. I, I'm very much getting that vibe. Um, yeah, it sounds... Uh, well, yeah, I, I was going to make some vaguely sarcastic comments about the... Um, about the importance of historical accuracy when dealing with shock-offs. Mm. But uh, it sounds like they were going for a different approach altogether. Well, there you go. I'm going to give you two points for getting Cthulhu, but nothing else. Oh, that's very generous of you. I think so. So you know a total of two know, points you, for the week. You don't know that I've got any, I, I didn't get anything else. Because they haven't given you any spoilers. <laughs> it might turn out that the Kickstarter and it's like, actually, Peter was bang on. I, I look Maybe. forward to your retroactive apology of points. All right, then. Well, I'm going to give you a really, really easy one now. Are you ready? Oh, if you must. What is yes. base? Thanks, Russ. <laughs> well, it's clearly a game based off the um, early 2000s meme, All Your Base Are Belong to Us, uh, in which you have a... Um, based upon uh, a fleet which discovers that it has been set up somehow with some sort of explosive device, and then they discover that... Uh, there is an overwhelmingly powerful entity which has uh, taken over very nearly every single base. All of your base are, in fact, belong to them. Um, and then as a direct result of that, your your, your players are fighting back against these um, mysterious and apocalyptic alien overlords. Nope. 
Ne, ne pek zaj. Minus a million points. Marvelous, marvelous. So, it is a collaborative, mm-hmm. setting agnostic, yes. card-based, yes. collaborative, I said collaborative once, storytelling, mm-hmm. role-playing game for two to seven players, designed for one-shot game. Okay, then. There we go. That's all I know. Uh, the players draw cards in order to randomly determine the setting of the story you're about to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, the story elements are somewhat general, which leaves room for you, the players, to fill in the gaps and create a unique setting. The same concept of randomization also applies to creating your character, the predicaments they become entangled in, and the actions they will take. Oh, you didn't give me the title. It was Basic Card PG. No, I thought that would give it away. I always, I generally you, don't you, give, I generally don't give the post colon bit. Ah, I see. Yeah, wow. The post because the post colon bit generally explains the. Ah, I see. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Well, that would make the game a different style of game altogether. Hmm. Okay, so anyway. And I think we're done. Huzzah! That's it for our right. favourite game in all the world. Woo! Well, that was fun. Right. So, do we have any questions from our patrons? Yes. Huzzah! So this is our latest segment, which is highly, highly popular. Yes. Um, it is called uh, Patrons Ask Questions, a.k.a. Morris and Peter, Solve Your Problems. Uh, this, this segment is where uh, people who very kindly um, yes. back our podcast over on Patreon, yes, uh, which you can find at patreon.com yes. forward slash Morris. That's M-O-R-R-U-S. And you can, each week, give us questions, which we will do our best to answer, although we do not promise to be accurate, helpful, useful, or correct in any way whatsoever. But we'll do what we can. Yes. In our usual professional way. Super professional. Okay. First one is from Lee Donovan. Hey, Lee. Lee would like to know, Mm -hmm. what's your favourite colour? Thanks, Lee. Not really. Lee would like to know, Oh, what is your favourite colour? It's green. Mine's green too. Oh, uh, I particularly like the shade British Racing Green. Oh, I do too. Oh, oh there you go. We're colour buddies and we didn't even know. <laughs> You're copying me. <laughs> <laughs> How am I copying you if I said it first? But I'm two years older than you, therefore. Ah, uh, interesting. Only two, really? <laughs> About two. Oh. Was it maybe three? He is not often kind, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, apparently it's also the section where Peter's mean to Russ. Yeah. yeah there you go. Well, let's, let's take a selfie, because I feel this is an important, important right. thing mm-hmm. to get Russ's face. Um, that's it, Russ. Hide, hide it. Hide it so we do not have to look upon the final shame. Oh. <laughs> what are you looking at? There you go. It's taken from the waist up only, so <laughs> yeah, you, you won't have to see me in all my glory, as it were. Well, yes. Lee would like to know. What would you like to know, Lee? How? Yes. Do you approach yes. directing players when they have gone off course in an adventure without railroading them? Asking for a friend. <laughs> okay, so a bit of context. I actually know Lee. He's running. I'm in the game. He's running. So how do you tell them? When you're, how do you tell players when they decide to completely go off on a madly different tangent? I have um, one of those big, you know, those really powerful water pistol things. Oh, yeah, and if they do like that, it. you just like unload on them until they go in the right direction. <laughs> it works a treat. It's brilliant. 
I, 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 I had to upgrade from the electric shock buzzer chairs, which uh, were, were um, oh, they, unpopular. Well, they, they, I didn't work well with the water. <laughs> I thought they'd work better with the water. <laughs> uh, but I mean, the problem is like just the cost, the running cost of them alone, ruinous, ruinous. Um, how do you keep your 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 pack of players on? Well, track? he says without railroading, and I I said before yes. that I don't think railroading is a dirty word. It's only if you mm. do too much of it. Yes. It's, 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 you know, like like anything, you know, too much of anything is really bad. Yep. Too much water is really bad, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't drink water. Mm-hmm. So, um, I said, railroad them a little bit then. Just, yeah. just a little bit. A little, little hint of railroading in. Drop that in. It's fine. It's a game. It's, it's, it's allowed. Yep. Um, unless you feel like they're deliberate. And oh, given yeah. that I know that um, uh, one of your players is Peter, and I know that Peter's ability to stay on target is almost non-existent. I'm sorry, I was distracted by a shiny thing. Um, yeah, so what you should probably do, Lee, is it depends on how badly off course they've gone. If they've gone wildly, wildly off course and they're having fun, you could just roll with it. If you're like, no, this is not what I'm planned for. This is not what I think they should be doing. Then you can always just like rephrase it. Well, that's the other um, thing. Is what they're doing better than what you had in mind in the first place? If it is, go with it. Quentin Bracken. Yes. We'd like to know. Your party... Yes. has decided to soldier on deeper into the dungeon without resting. Nice. Just one more room. Nice. They get themselves into a dire situation. Okay. Do you help by fudging rolls, weakening the foes, mm-hmm. or dumbing them down? Or do you let the players suffer for their bad choices? Yes. Let them suffer for their terrible, terrible decisions. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, to an I- extent, don't just like TPK and end the game. Yeah. Just because you're annoyed. <laughs> Well, uh, there are a couple of options you can go for. The 13th Age option is one I'm personally a big fan of, although it's going to depend on exactly when you throw it to them. You could just give them some hints. Well, the 13th Age option is that they can run away, they automatically succeed, but they take, quote, a campaign loss. Right. Uh, This campaign loss being because they have run away and not been heroic, something bad has happened. So what sort of campaign loss? It's going to depend upon what sort of uh, game you're running it's like. If you're doing a strict dungeon crawl, mm-hmm. then potentially a like time-sensitive goals have expired. Sure, okay. Or like oh, new monsters moved in. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the 13th stage option, it's, it's let wrong. them run away for free, I like. Yes. Okay. Well, it's not for free. They will incur a strategic loss rather than a tactical sure. one. Sure, okay. Yeah. Uh, or I think you were saying don't just TPK them, which I believe would be like taking them prisoner. Well, I guess that is helping them out by fudging weakening the foes or dumbing them down. I suppose that's a, that's a yeah. little bit like that, isn't it? But, <laughs> well, yes, a bit like that. So I guess my answer is yes, then. You, you you can do that a little bit if it looks like it's heading towards a TPK. If it just looks like it's going to screw them up mm-hmm. and they're going to regret it, then just go ahead with it. No, I mean, like Dungeons & Dragons characters are incredibly resilient. But yeah, it's just it's just one of those things, really. Um, you could even have well, just like, a conversation with them like adults. Well, just to say to them, you're feeling really tired and you're, you know... Yeah. Make it make it clear to them that they're not in optimal condition right well, now. Well, the players should know whether they're in optimal condition right now. And if they... I mean, I, I always get the opposite problem, which is like players are just like too conservative. They're so always mm. like holding stuff back. No. Uh, reward them for sticking in uh, with the sort of glorious battle. Because clearly, at the end of the day, you, you think that they are pretty much doomed. But they, I guarantee they've got something in their back pocket mm. which they think they can bring to the fore. Which they will surprise you with because they're they're indeed just little fellas players. And again, actually, that's what te- the talk to them like adults thing takes us back to Lee's question, which is yeah, talk to your players like adults. Say, I think you're going the wrong way, lads. How about no? 
or how about do this instead and then like leave it up to them to work it out okay so um i'm gonna go with the 13th age option you suggested that's my advice i like that one it's it's a it's a solid option i've always been very fond of it okay that is our patrons ask questions aka morris and russ try to solve your problems section done marvelous lovely another magnificent round of mapacamas sip (laughs) ah so we're doing um, a historical one. Yes, so this is with apologies to Richard Aronson, the original author of uh, The Tale of Eric and the Dread Gazebo. Just to give it a bit of context. Um, so back in the early 70s, Ed Whitchurch ran his game and one of the participants was Eric Sorensen. Mm. Eric, um, it says here, plays something like a computer. When he games, he methodically considers each possibility before choosing his preferred option. If given time, he will invariably pick the optimal solution. It has been known to take weeks. He is otherwise, in all respects, a superior gamer. Uh, Eric was playing a neutral paladin in Ed's game. He was on some Lord's lands when the following exchange occurred. You see a well-groomed garden. In the middle, on a small hill, you see a gazebo. A gazebo? What colour is it? It's white, Eric. How far away is it? Uh, about 50 yards. Hmm. How big is it? Um, gazebo. It'd be about 30 foot across, 15 foot high, pointed top. <laughs> I use my sword to detect good on it. It's not good, Eric. It's a gazebo. I call out to it. It won't answer. It's a gazebo. Huh. Um, I, I sheath my sword and draw my bow and arrows. Does it respond in any way? No, Eric. It's a gazebo. I shoot it with my bow. What happened? There is now a gazebo with an arrow sticking out of it. Wasn't it wounded? Of course not, Eric. It's a gazebo. <sighs> but that was a plus three arrow. It's a gazebo, Eric. A gazebo. If you really want to try to destroy it, you could chop it with an axe, I suppose. Or you could try to burn it. But I don't know why anybody would even try. It's a flipping gazebo. No axe. Fires. I run away. Too late. You've awakened the gazebo. It catches and eats you. Maybe I'll roll up a fire using mage so I can avenge my paladin. Right, are you ready, Peter, to do our topic of the week? Absolutely. And the topic of the week this week is why, oh why, yes. is D&D so popular? Well, discussed of Timbridge Wells, that's an excellent question. I'm glad you asked It is a good question. So, Peter, yes. why, why do you think D&D is so... Um, well, I think to answer the question properly, we'd have to look at it in a bit of detail. Because, essentially, we've sort of got two simultaneous phenomenon... Phenomena? Phenomena. Da, 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 da. Yes. Going on, which is that you've got lots of new people coming into D&D um, from outside who've never role-played before, and they're choosing D&D, of all things, to get involved in. And you also have people returning to D&D. Uh, gamers, because we're talking specifically about 5th edition D&D. There have previously been at least four other editions, and there are countless other pretenders to the throne. I think we have a sort of fundamental difference in opinion. Well, not difference in opinions. We don't disagree with each other. But we, I think we... Uh, You're still wrong. I'll wait <laughs> on them differently. Because you, you <laughs> think it's more about the game itself, whereas I think it's more about the brand. Uh, I, th- I think I think it's like it falls down to that um, you've got people coming in. Like, uh, 
branding will bring people in. Mm. Um, I mean, did you want me to argue your point for you? Or were you sure. Yeah. yeah. It makes my life easier. Okay. <laughs> well, your idea about the subject is that um, actual play and podcasts and so forth are very popular. People are seeing stuff on YouTube. Uh, um, and what they're seeing also quite a lot of is attractive Hollywood-like celebrity. Yes. Uh, uh, having fun. Yes. And that is spread, according to Wizard of the Coast at least, um, that is currently bringing in over 50% of new players coming in because Ooh, they're seeing streams. And nice. uh, my, my, my theory on that is, like, role-playing games traditionally used to be a private. Yes. It, it would happen at home. A shameful thing. Well, it was a shameful thing. Nice. But, but more importantly, it was a private thing. Yes. People couldn't see you do it, really. Absolutely. It usually happened at home. Occasionally, you might have a role-playing club or you might yeah. play in the pub or whatever. Mm. But generally yeah. speaking, it yes. happened at home. Yes. Now, mm-hmm. a vast amount mm-hmm. of role-playing yes. takes place online. Yes. It's now become a perform. It's got a performative yeah. aspect to it. So it's, it's now performed in public. Yes. And people are flocking to watch these, watch these things. Yes. And they're seeing people having fun. Assuming yeah. they're seeing the good ones. They're, but, they're seeing attractive people. Well, well you know, off, often attractive they're, people. They're seeing Critical Role. They're seeing mm-hmm. Acquisitions Incorporated. Yes. They're seeing Deborah Ann Wall with her thing. Absolutely. They're seeing uh, Will Wheaton's... Relics um, and Rarities, that's it. Will Wheaton's oh, yeah. tabletop shot. They're seeing, they're seeing these... Geek and Sundry? They're uh, seeing st- other stuff from Geek and Sundry, yeah. yeah. So they're seeing all that, yes. as well as, like, thousands and thousands and thousands yes. smaller outfits, like uh, mm. Table Story, who do... A whole range of stuff, including yeah, which is why I know them. We've got our very own sector forty nine coming to an end in two weeks. Oh yes, yes, coming to a final end. Ah, Going to be sad, sad. But all things come to an end. Well, good story. Stories need an ending. Yes, yeah. I don't know how it'll end. It's been very, very funny. But anyway, oh, I digress. Yeah. I digress. Ups down. I do digress. But um, mm. so yeah, that's my opinion. It's now it's now a public thing. People are seeing the famous and attractive and successful people yes. are playing it and they're thinking, I want a bit of that fun because it looks Absolutely. like fun and that is what's very much helping to drive in the yes. new players. Yeah, and, and people people see representation. Representation is important. So, well, also is an element of geeks in, uh, inheriting the earth, isn't it? These are all, ah. these are all people that yes. were once kids yes. who played D&D at home in private yes. now they're rich and famous and they're running the world yes. and therefore they're influential and when they start talking about the fact that they used to play d yes. that makes D&D gain yes. sort of cachet Absolutely. by association mm. um, people are very fond of saying mean things about Fifth Dead as well though uh, but you know what it's it's actually quite if you're actually playing 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons as opposed to many people's hallucination of what they think 5th edition is, mm. it's actually quite a good game. Um, it is a good game. It is. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I, think, I, I don't I, think it's perfect, but it is a good game. Oh, far, far from perfect, but uh, it could definitely do with more support for several things. Uh, and there is the known issue of half the content essentially being locked away uh, due to the change in power levels and pace. But you know what? Yeah, it's actually quite a lot of fun. I think, wasn't it we said earlier that, generally speaking, if you've played quite a lot of games, mm-hmm. which admittedly um, yeah. most newcomers to role-playing won't have done, yes. but if you've played quite a lot of games, what you generally tend to find is your favourite game, probably, mm. but it's probably your second favourite game. Yes. And so when you've got a group of six people, mm-hmm. all of whom are maybe our age and have played quite a lot of games, yeah. we'll all each have our own favourite game, which basically appeals to our mm. particular sensibilities. Mm-hmm. But all of us will agree 
The D&D is pretty good. It's probably our second or third favourite game. We're all perfectly happy to play it. Um, there are some people who are absolutely 100% against it. Oh, but yeah. It, 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 is, it does have a lot of common ground. But there are people it. that react against it because it's, which is yes. just anything that happens with anything. Um, just... and, and there has been a lot of very bad D&D perpetrators upon the world. I use word advisedly. I've seen some of it. I may even have done some of it from time to time, but I try not to. Mm. If you look at the things that get people interested in the game, there there's like uh, elements of risk and gambling and the spontaneous creation of story and things like a flat D20 roll, even if you're adding numbers to it, this inherent swinginess that comes with it is actually exciting. Um, it's not, it's something that I like am very ambivalent about, but you know what? If I roll a 20, I'm still very excited about it. And that's, I think, where things like 3.5 really missed a trick because they made you, like, what's it, confirmed criticals and so forth. I couldn't understand why you're doing it. It makes it more special. 3.5 was big. I mean, don't get me wrong. 3.5 was big and Pathfinder, which is essentially 3.5, spent about four or five years being bigger than Mm D&D. You know, it's not... Absolutely. There's nothing that says that D&D will automatically be the uh, biggest game. I mean, but there's a lot of things that they do. Like they have support for community-based things um, that they're very clear in what it is that they're out to deliver. They have a firm vision of the experience that they want people to have, uh, and they, they 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 go for it. What can you say? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I mean obviously D and D is kind of synonymous with roleplay. It's got a bit of the Kleenex Hoover about it, hasn't it? I, I, I gotta say, there are people who are like, oh, do you fancy doing some D and D? It's like, do you mean RPGs or do you mean specifically yeah. this specific game? Because like, one I can definitely hook you up with. There are lots of people playing I mean, RPGs. On my Thursday night gaming group, whatever game we're playing, yeah. I will often just say, we're playing d Yes. Even if we're not playing d Even if we're playing a sci-fi game. Absolutely. I'm still saying we're playing D&D because D&D has become shorthand for role-playing rather than yes. referring to that specific game. Absolutely. At least, at least in our sort of vocab. Mm-mm. Oh, absolutely. Colonise the mental space of many people. So... Uh, the idea that you would want to play anything else is bizarre. Well, there's also the thing like the, twi- was the Twitch categories where you could say mm. what category your stream was in. Because obviously it oh, started yeah. off being a, um, a game, gamer. video game stuff. Yeah, didn't you it? could watch people playing video games. Yeah. yeah. So uh, when they added the tabletop gaming category, mm-hmm. it was just called D&D. Mm-hmm. So whatever tabletop game you were playing, whatever RPG you were playing, okay. according to Twitch, you were playing D&D. Right. So, you know, even even in, even in when it comes to things like that, I think they've uh, expanded on that now. Yes. Because I think they, they got asked to do so or something. But um, They were like, I'm not playing D&D. Could you, so could you there's not? Cer- there's certainly an element of that, even when it comes to things like Twitch and stuff like that. Like yeah. D&D is basically the category rather than the specific game. Yes. Which I imagine with something the Wizards of the Coast wouldn't want because they wouldn't want their brand name to be diluted so much, I would yes. have thought. Mm, mm, absolutely. Um, I think what's interesting about D&D is that it is its own genre as well. Mm. When it started back yes. in sort of the OD&D days, I don't think... It, you know, it drew on an awful lot of literary stuff. Yes. And it was kind of more the sort of, this is the game where you can go and play Lord of the Rings, or this is the game where you can go and play uh, Conan, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, these days, D&D has got so much of its own identity sort of baked into it. Yes. The, and style of play and style of adventuring and the whole murder hobo thing and all that sort of stuff, all kind of yeah. baked into it. Oh, the whole underground Vietnam psychology thing. So um, it is actually a genre on its own. Yes. It's, it's not It's not a fantasy game anymore. It's mm. D&D is the genre. Yes. You know, if you went and, you know, it's not the same as Lord of the Rings. Oh, no. It's no. not the same as Game of Thrones. No, it's goodness. not the same as, you know, a million other different fantasy genres. There, there is, it's very well supported for kicking doors down, breaking in, 
murdering stuff and stealing our things. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, called up this list of um, D&D in popular media, Ooh, in popular exciting. culture, like TV shows it's shown up on and things like that. Ah. And there's loads of them. I didn't realise that this was quite this big. Yeah, then. What um, have we got? So we've got uh, Community, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. They, they, they feature quite heavily in that. Yeah. Freaks and Geeks. Okay. Uh, in the final episode of the series, uh, James Franco is forced to join the audiovisual club and the geeks invite him to a game of Dungeons and Dragons. He ends up enjoying it. <laughs> Sarah Silverman program. A planned date night is disrupted by a D&D game. That will happen. Uh, in The Simpsons, yes. Homer bonds with some new geek friends by playing D&D for three Ooh. hours, then I was slain by an elf. <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Did they play D&D in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Indeed, it says here, in the episode Chosen, oh, yeah, yeah. Andrew, Xander, Giles, and one of the potential slayers, Amanda, play Dungeons and Dragons while Anya sleeps at the table. I don't remember Seems that. Seems legit. I don't remember that either, no. but okay. News Radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, the IT Crowd. Oh, yeah. Did I play d in the uh, IT Crowd? A series episode titled Jen the Freddo. Moss has been making his own Dungeons and Dragons game and eventually gets John, John, Roy and Phil to play. I don't remember that either. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen many look, of the... Yeah. I, 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 I've I'm seen sure, them all, but I don't remember yeah. that. I, it's like, these are things I've sat and watched and I don't yeah. remember these. Yeah, in any way. Uh, corner Gas, I don't know what that is. Okay. Uh, Tucker's Luck, I don't know what that is either. Okay. Okay, and I think that's based on Grain Chill. In the third series episode, Peter Tucker Jenkins, played by Todd Carty, mm-hmm. plays Dungeons and Dragons at his girlfriend's pal's house. The Dungeon Master is played by Charlie Borman. Well, now we know. Never heard of it. Gravity Falls. Oh, it's amazing. Don't know what that is. Oh, it's a, a cartoon. It's like full of like little Illuminati references. Okay. Absolutely hilarious. Stranger Things. Obviously, oh, yeah. it's featured in that. That is pretty explicitly acknowledged in the like text of the mm. film. Uh, the Magicians. Is that... No, what am I thinking of? I don't know. It says, in the 11th episode of the first season, yes. Remedial Battle Magic, okay. as the protagonist discover <laughs> a Japanese spell called Magiku Misaru, oh, which yes, yes. causes Quentin to exclaim, Magic Missile? That's like straight up Dungeons and Dragons. Legit. The Big Bang Theory. Yes. Obviously, it's featured a lot in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they've had William Shatner, Kevin Smith, Joe Manganiello, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar playing. Nice. In The Big Bang Theory? Yes. Fantastic. And Paradise PD. Oh, goodness. That's a Netflix uh, animated series. Okay. I, yes. I believe you. There's been music where D&D's referenced. Seems legit. Um, there's the Flashpoint Brown song. Flashlight Brown song, Ready to Roll. Well, indeed. Owen Pallett's album, He Poos Clouds. Good to know. Stephen Lynch okay. has a comedic song entitled D&D. Yeah. Weezer's song, In the Garage. Mentions the Dungeon Master's Guide and the 12-sided die. Okay. Oh, it doesn't have, like, Roller D6. Um, I'm trying to remember who that's by. But that's, uh, that's on Spotify. Love that song. Love it to bits. Never heard of it. Oh, it's uh, sort of a parody of Like a G6, which was a song that you will definitely not have heard. But I thought it was quite a good one. Um, Daryl, uh, if you can't find it, give me a shout and I'll send you a link so you can stick it in the show notes. Some more people need to hear. It's also been in film. No, get away. Mm. I mean, didn't they make some sort of film about it? Yes, well, aside from the actual Dungeons and Dragons films. Oh, yes, yes. Um, it's in E.T. Yeah, people keep saying that. I don't remember. It but... is, yeah, I remember. Oh, well. okay. Cool, cool. Um, it's in the Futurama film, Bender's Game. Yeah, right. I think I've... 
I don't re- recall it being specifically shouted out, but okay. Futurama um, is not a big surprise in there, well, is it? I don't remember. It says, uh, Bender's game includes D&D as a crucial plot device mm-hmm. in which the main characters end up in a fantasy realm, much like the game. The film was already in production upon Gary Gygax's death and debut later that year, so it was dedicated in his honour. Okay. Uh, the short film Fear of Girls. Bit harsh. Crack on. And the films The Gamers and The Gamers Darkness Rising. Well, I've seen both of those, and it... It's like, they are explicitly about Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that's... The con- the content of the film the, being about... What's Tom Hanks film? Oh, is this the one Mazes with... Mazes and Monsters? Yeah, Mazes that's and it. Mazes and Monsters, yes. Yeah, but, like, we all learnt that you shouldn't run around in steam tunnels. Yeah. It's bad for you or something. There was... Yeah. So bad. It wasn't, wasn't the best advert for the game. Yeah. But, um, the, main, the main point there being is... Like, D&D is oh, like, think all it, over popular culture. It is, yes. Well, it used to be much bigger. Like, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of branded advertising. And there was, of course, that D&D cartoon. There was that earlier. D&D cartoon. Well, there's a Critical Role cartoon coming soon. Oh, which yeah. is essentially going to be a new D&D cartoon. For At least we know it will have good voice acting. Yeah. I bet, that, I bet they do get themselves some new branding. Well, mm. I don't know whether or not, but they've definitely got a great relationship with the ghost. I imagine so, yes. Or D&D, as they now call it. <laughs> <laughs> a sentient entity known as D&D, which announces itself frequently. D&D is watching you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other reason D&D is so popular. It's now sentient. It's now Skynet. <laughs> and I've won. Welcome on the role-playing game overlord. So there we, there we, there we have it. It's like, um, if you aren't into D&D, then D&D will come around your house and sort you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So else, what other reasons do you think there are for... I mean, we could just establish our premise. I mean, I mean fantasy... How popular is D&D? Yeah, well... well because yeah, you're kind of begging the question here a little bit. It is, it is pretty popular. I mean, most of the games from my personal experience at my club are either D&D or D&D film. Mm. I mean, we did an episode exactly how popular it is. We did. And it turned out there's 15 million players in North America. Whew, that's, that's a lot of players. a lot of players. That is. That's the ones we know about. Mm. Like, they're the ones into 5th edition D&D and other stuff, and they're doing it online. Uh, I don't know. 20? I don't know what their method- uh, methodology was for determining that. I am assuming there was some survey-based stuff, mm. so I don't think it was just online stuff. I think it was. I'm sure they recruited a proper market research company and properly did that market research. Ah, uh, yeah, have a thing. I don't think they just looked at Twitch and asked. <laughs> that seems like a perfectly reasonable methodology to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's quantitative uh, research. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it, it is. It's bigger than probably it ever has been. Mm. I mean, I don't know. I know. It was massive in the 80s. Yes. Like, proper massive, but... I'm really excited for it, to be honest. It means there's loads and loads of new role players coming into... Yes, absolutely. Sort of the area. Uh, it's like, there are people whose ideas I will not immediately know what they're about. It means that there's potential for more and more people to play games, to create stories that, like, I just literally will never have heard before. Oh, my goodness. I oh. found a list of notable D&D players on Are Wikipedia, they all and it's really long. Who are this is? Like, too, too long for me to read out. That is that is something quite... If Russ finds a list online that he's not prepared to read out, you know it must be quite long indeed. <laughs> yeah, Carl Urban did not know. There we go. Oh, well, he seems to sort, I'll be honest. Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. Uh, Isn't that he's that in lady? the office. Actually, he... Oh. Office. Is that the British or New American version? New American. Oh, okay. Oh, look, it's got R.A. Salvatore. Tra- R.A. Salvatore plays the <laughs> well, Who would have guessed? Trey Parker. Oh, the South Park chap. Yeah. yeah. Oh, George R. R. Martin likes D&D. Well, again, we did not no see that No surprise there. David Mitchell. 
And I started thinking it's our David Miller. It's going to be a different David Miller. It's his novelist. Mm. Um, well, anyway, it's a, it's a long list. It is a long list. It is a long list. Um, what were we talking about before I interrupted with this long list? <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, you were talking about how D&D was awesome and you can't wait to play it again. Yeah, I like D&D a lot. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I think what we really need to look at also is, in terms of genre, it, it, it is a genre of its own, but also has a handy go-to. It, it's in a pretty strong place because fantasy is something that people will tend to reach for because, mm. everyone, again, everyone can agree on what it is. Yes. Like, sci-fi... We spent like, what, 45 minutes longer, we were chatting with Edjar, and we couldn't really come up with a workable definition, mm. apart from, you know it when you see it. Yeah. Um, whereas fantasy, it's happened in the past, or we've got all sorts of pseudo magic. It's magic. It's <laughs> magic. Magic. I think one of the things about D&D, right, yeah. talking about fantasy, TV, and um, films, yes. as we said, D&D is its own genre. Yes. And they've attempted to put that genre splat onto a screen a few times. And yeah. pretty much every time that genre, outside of the confines of a role-playing game and put on a screen for you to watch, comes across as very hokey. Oh, so hokey. Whereas Lord of the Rings doesn't so much, or Game of Thrones doesn't so much. So I think there's, yeah. there's a, then D&D might suffer from a slight problem that it doesn't really translate that well to film. I don't know whether this is true or whether okay. it's just... They've just been... I mean, they were bad at it, but... Pretty bad, yeah. But... I wonder if just like D&D itself is just a little bit too hokey to take off the page and put on the screen. I don't know. Uh, oh, is it? Is it? The things hokey. that make it good as a role-playing game yes. make it bad as a visual. Um, I think part of the fun of it is there is a certain amount of chaos and creating your own story. Yeah. Um, and it's harder to be invested if you're not there. But it's sort of very kitchen sinky. Basically, it's got everything thrown into it. Yeah. So if you try and create some kind of show out of it, a show has to be much more focused. That's true. For a good show, you'd have to take D&D, that whole big kitchen sink, and you'd have to yeah. strip away 99% of it and come up with something core and focused and good. No, absolutely. I think that's what they've actually ended up doing, which is a disappointed fans and confused others because they have removed 99% of it. Like the D&D movie, mm-hmm. I mean, what do we have? We have, it was basically, well, we'll do humans, we'll do elves because they're cheap. Because mm-hmm. all we need is some pointy ears, prosthetics. Yeah, but they've got random cameos and beholders and all sorts of stuff like that, which just don't yeah. need to be in there and they just make the whole thing look hokey. No, that's true. I mean, basically, the thing that you'd really need is you need to get that story just yeah. so right. Yeah, it's the story. It's the story. Yeah. You can't just take D&D and set it up on the screen and hope for the best. You need an actual story. Yeah. It's not like running a role-playing game where you're just like, oh, yeah, exactly. just take a punt at it. I'm sure it'll work yeah. out fine. Well, we'll see. I mean, we're going to see the um, Critical Role cartoon, which is basically their role-playing game slapped up on the screen. So. Absolutely. But that's got a huge fan base of people. Who yeah, that's, that's, that's going to actually be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, to be fair, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I, I, how, how do people watch these four-hour episodes? I don't, I don't get it. Time. Time. Uh, anyway, anyway. We should we probably... Should... We should oh, probably start winding up. Yes. And we haven't really established why D&D is so popular. Or have we? Oh, we did. I think we did. Uh, well, we to, to sum up why D&D is so popular, it's enjoying a massive mixed approach from the uh, Wizards of the Coast backed up by Hasbro for marketing and branding, together with very popular and widespread community support, including from public figures. That's making it look cool. It's making it part of the cultural zeitgeist. And there's a At lot of a people... time where geek culture is mainstream. Geek culture is very much mainstreaming. In terms of the actual game itself, it's not badly broken. It's a lot simpler to get into than, yeah, any of the previous editions. Mm. Um, so, yes, we have a 
definitively established why D&D is so popular for the first time ever. You're welcome. Yes. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. Yeah, it was us. All Prove us. Prove it otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> we also know now that D&D has become sentient and is announcing itself. D&D is watching you. Yes. <laughs> and that is going to be an ongoing joke for the rest of this podcast life. Um, so um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Indeed, thank you very much. It's been really marvellous to be here. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, I have been Morris, who you can find on Twitter, at Morris. Uh, I've been Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Thank you. Bye-bye. My ears hurt. That was awful. The worst. I'm going to be punishing those two for this awful performance. I just have to decide whether to put them both in the Iron Maiden or have them eaten alive by sandwich ants.